Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be about ways they could improve the EAZ activity, as well as really any activity that's been coming with these free events. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. I'm probably live right now. Come on in and hang out with us. We enjoy the folks that come over from YouTube or the podcast that you listen with, you know, the audio format. Uh, We're going to try and get through this because Luke Smith is going to address the community today. We think it's going to happen around reset, so we're going to try and get through this in the Q&A quickly as we can so why should they improve the eaz like what's the deal lono what's the problem or maybe you don't like it maybe you think it's boring or maybe you do like it and you think it's totally fine my contention has been with the haunted forest and the verdant forest as well as the eaz is that they're missing an opportunity for an automatic sort of intrinsic loot grind especially if you think back to the haunted forest There were different bosses. You could have had those bosses rotate. You could have had those bosses dropping different things. Similar things are happening in the EAZ, right? You're going in. You got some mini bosses. You got some ads. You got that mechanic. And then there's bosses at the end. And then there's... It's it's similar to the Verdant Forest. The more you do, the more chests you get. Kind of how they did it in the Verdant Forest. I love that. I love the idea of going into an activity and my... My behavior and my my activity, my what I do contributes to you know the chess and the things that happen at the end. I really really like that. I think that's a great way to build out the way they do the content. So I want to talk about how this was so close. That's the first part of the talk. This was so close. Then I want to talk about rotating the bosses, and then lastly I want to talk about loot and bounties. So let's talk about how they were so close. Activities like the EAZ, the Verdant Forest, and the Haunted Forest are so close to being great pieces of content that can either stay in the game permanently or be a really, really nice grind that lasts for about a month. They're just, they're right there. I loved, especially when they create unique mechanics, like the like the, the masks that you could wear in the Haunted Forest, how that changed the gameplay, right? It made it neat, it made it different, and racking up those waves were really, really fun. They were so close, if they could have added something to that, like it gets harder after you know every 10 waves so by the time you get to wave like 31 it's nuts but when you get that high it contributes to loot drop or it contributes to something that is going to change in the boss fight or something giving you that incentive to really go that distance that'd be really really cool to give you that oh there's loot in here there's a reason to be in here for long periods of time my big question and the question really they should always be asking whenever they're adding something like this even if it's a free event the question should be where is the loot grind in loopable content if it is loopable content why are you not adding a loot grind in there it just makes sense nightfall loot the menagerie and then when you look at like the ada bounties that's sort of your your framework that you should look and say if we're going to create content that is loopable it just should automatically come with the loot grind that just ha- that just should be how it goes it's like saying here's a mission but where's the boss that would be kind of weird right like here's a strike here's a nightfall here's a mission you'd be like wait where's the boss is there no boss what the frick and then it just kind of ends that happens sometimes doesn't it you're playing like an adventure or something they're structured a little bit differently and then all of a sudden it's like mission complete and you're like what the frick We're done, right? A similar sort of weird imbalance or dissonance is when they create a content loop, you're looping it, you're replaying it, and there's literally no loot grind. It's like, oh, you get the boxes at the end, or, oh, after so many, you get a gun. I really think they're missing an opportunity to put loot in these loopable grinds that they're creating, even for free events. So many great containers really just need a loot grind, and 
this goes hand in hand with my push for them to really embrace repurposing content right when you look at escalation protocol the forge grind from curse of osiris the blind well and all the things i've already outlined the eaz the haunted forest the verdant forest even just the infinite forest as it works with the the daemons or the demons or whatever you want to call them those are really really great mindless loops that if you create them with the loot grind as i'm talking about in this talk now you've got something that can be repurposed and refreshed in future content one of the challenges going forward for destiny would be when you look at the director so many planets so many activities so many hoppers so many places for you to load yourself into if they're not being repurposed given that polish given that new new spit shine here's new things to chase that's going to leave a lot of vacancy and a lot of just dead planets, dead areas in the game. And same with these activities. When a free activity rolls in the game, it should just be kind of picking up that identity of a loot grind and loot pursuit. That's how it should work. Now let's talk about rotating the bosses. Because I really think what this does is something that is so important in a loot grind game. It creates automatic, intrinsic diversity that we're so close with reckoning reckoning is just not in a good place but man oh man it could really be in a nice spot having rotating bosses creates automatic diversity it's changing each week it's not the same encounter i loved that about menagerie you had the the boss with the walls that come at you then you had the ogre then you had the big um hydra there is something nice about that. It, 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 it helps the monotony not settle in. If you remember Age of Triumph, there was something so nice about each week doing an actual different raid. It wasn't always the same raid each week. That's why that was considered almost the golden age of Destiny 1. It wasn't just because of nostalgia bringing back the old raids. It was because there was a handful of things. There was loot pursuit, there was challenge, and there was intrinsic diversity. That is a huge, huge win for the community. So when you look at the EAZ, rotate the bosses. If the bosses and the encounters change and you rotate them, that dovetails very well with having loot drop at the end. Oh, why should I stay in here? Why should I stay till the end? Listen, I actually think it gives a really, really great context for people to stay motivated and stay in. Within the spirit of the event, staying till the end, it makes sense if you're getting loot. It makes sense if you're getting something at the end and then the loot could be maybe even tied to what the boss looks like or something it's always neat when like the weapons or the armor kind of looks like the boss like when they did that with Malak in D1 you know the helmet had kind of a reminiscence to what Malak looked like the mini bosses um giving you like plus one and then staying till the end and getting plus five by the way i'm recording this on august 13th today in the update when they update the game they're going to shorten how many mini bosses you need for the solstice armor and you're going to get credit for five mini bosses when you kill the final boss that's in the spirit of what i'm saying the spirit of what i'm saying is what's the motivation to stay till the end when you're basically saying yeah kill mini bosses and then you're basically done that basically shows us that there's actually basically a way to land this content with the community in a more full way that kind of lands with that answering that question if it's loopable content where is the loot what's the reason to go all the way to the end they're kind of saying they're almost admitting right they're almost admitting there's a vacancy in EAZ when they have to add like oh yeah we'll give you points for killing the boss 
Reason for that is nobody really kills the boss. I know people are like, oh, you get the boxes. The boxes are not good enough. I think there should be, again, a loot drop. Listen, there's something magical. I said this about this on the last night on the Rageous Roundtable. There is something magical about seeing that engram go dink, 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 like lands on the ground, you run over it, and then you check the roll. There is something really, really cool about that. There's something addicting about that. And I would love that magic to be recaptured. The loot cave had an appeal beyond just getting loot. Seeing all that loot on the ground. The Omnigol farm, same thing. You love seeing the loot on the ground. You go over, you run over it, and then you check the roll. Lastly, let's talk about loot and bounties. For a free event, it doesn't really have to be amazing. I know a lot of times people push back. They're like, but it's a free event, Lona. Like, what do you expect them to do? Like, drop an entire loot pool in the game for the EAZ? It's a free event. It doesn't have to be amazing. It could literally be a couple of guns. For the Haunted Forest, they literally could have just done random rolls on the gun that they had as tied to the event instead of having you just grind for it. Or do two or three. Do one per boss. One weapon per boss I don't think is absurd. You don't have to to create pinnacle weapons with unique perks. It could just be a gun that kind of like looks like the boss or looks like the armor from Solstice. You make the weapons look like the event, and then random rolls. The really thing I really want to drive home here is random rolls is a, is a persistent value point. Random rolls is such a persistent value point that it would make the forge grind from Curse of Osiris one of the one of the better grinds in the game, right? Obviously, maybe don't make us go back to the tower to, to, to like the little place every time on Mercury, but it'd be a pretty good grind if there were random rolls in the game because it is a persisting value point. It raises the value and the and the enjoyment of any grind they attach random rolls to. It would really, I think, benefit things like the EAZ. I also think utilizing bounties to bring sort of the Ada menagerie intentionality feeling would be another great thing they could do. Yeah, pick up your EAZ bounties and just keep running the EAZ and it'll keep spinning out these weapons. That's another thing that they could be doing, utilizing the bounty system, utilizing those intentionality threads that everybody praised and loved from Ada in Black Armory and the menagerie in Opulence. We really were praising that for a reason. It's really nice to have that intentionality and that thread chasing loot, having intentionality, looping content would be a great theme to have throughout free activities as well as just activities in general in Destiny. Ultimately, if they create a loop of content, they need to fill it with loot and they need to fill it with incentives. Q&A is about to follow, so if you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage, probably live right now. Come on in. As always, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session that followed my talk about EAZ activity improvements. I also talked just in general about the Verdant Force and the Haunted Force, how they could improve those activities. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live at twitch.tv slash say no to rage. I might be live right now, so come on in and you can join the conversation. Uh... And that is a great way to be a part of what we're doing. And we hope to see you come into the channel someday and join us. A lot of you guys listen and watch in the other places. So we're going to jump right into the Q&A. Now the Q&A might get chopped short or cut suddenly. We're sitting on pins and needles waiting for Luke Smith to put out his address to the community. We think it's going to be about an hour. So the Q&A might last just about one hour around reset time is when we're anticipating it. If it happens before then, sorry, the Q&A may get cut short. 
Uh, Ignorance says, Hey man, just saw one of your videos on YouTube, decided to log back on Destiny after a year hiatus. I wanted to get back into Destiny. I was wondering if I should wait for the Shadowkeep update or should I purchase the Forsaken DLC and start grinding now? I never tell people if they should or shouldn't buy content, but I'm going to say this. Forsaken added a lot. I mean a lot. So you get the Tangled Shore, the Dreaming City, lots of grind, great story, great boss fights, probably some of, if not the best, I think the best boss fights in Destiny are contained in the Forsaken story. Fighting all of the Barons is fantastic. It's one of the best directed and like sort of cinematic scenes in the game when Spider's reading all their descriptions and then fighting all of them is awesome. The... You know, the annual pass and beyond you probably wouldn't have time for, but again, if you want those if you want those activities, the forges, reckoning, probably not. Uh, also if you want the um if you want anything in season of opulence like the menagerie, a lot of those activities could get repurposed or get legs uh, in the future. So you may not want to sit on the sidelines. If you buy all that bundled and just kind of have the entire complete game going into Shadow Keep. I feel like, personally, if it was me, that's what I would want to do. That's just how I'm wired. I'd want to have everything, maybe grind for some pinnacles, get my guys leveled up with some of the quests, some of the some of the, the surge quests, surge bounties, and just kind of get ready for Shadowkeep. Shadowkeep is not launching until October 1st. So, that's me, though. I'm not telling you to buy it. I'm just saying that's what I would do, and those are the reasons why I would do it. I don't like being like, yeah, you should buy it. I just, I never, like using that type of language uh sir charles uh the third says what else can they use that map for good map complex plenty of places to explore the eaz would probably make a pretty good gambit map um since you just replicated both sides are, are, are on the same place probably make a pretty good gambit map you got a central place for the the boss the primeval uh, you got multiple locations for killing ads. I think the biggest problem with Gambit is you'd have a lot of dead, a lot of internal dead areas. Like, you wouldn't want to have to wander through the winding, like, hallways and stuff in a lot of the, uh, in a lot of the buildings. I think that, even just doing the EAZ, that can be a bit much. Like, you're, you know, you're getting kind of lost and getting kind of spun around and turned around. Um, that can be a bit much. So, I don't know if you'd want to have to deal with that during Gambit, but it does seem like it could be repurposed as a Gambit mode, or somebody in chat putting this, it would probably make a pretty good Horde mode. Um, you know, you're in the center, kind of defending your positions, maybe you slowly get pushed back to the one rooftop. Like, you start out at the bottom, it gets more intense, and as it gets more intense, you're being, you know, you're being asked to hold different lines, and put up different barriers, and then you end up all the way at the back of the map, and you're like up on that rooftop. That could be a pretty cool way to give us like a horde mode. More cat. Do you think tying more of the solstice micro grind into the EAZ would have smoothed how disconnected the grind is? I love the area. I want more to do there. I, yeah, I mean, just today I was working on a couple of things and I just felt that pain of like, if I do this thing or I go into this activity. I'm only working on like one or two things, right? I'm only working on like one or two things. And so that I think is, is one of the issues I took with this. If you watch my, I was wrong about solstice video. I basically said, why not have the gauntlets be like, go into the EAZ and do this, this, and this, like three things that you're doing in the EAZ, right? And then check Twitter. It dropped. I knew that was going to happen. I knew, I knew it was going to happen. 
Are you guys trolling me? Or are you being for real? Um, it says part one focuses on this. We're breaking into two. Are you guys sure? I'm not seeing Luke Smith with the new tweet. He's saying here, uh, coming back to the annual pass, we've targeted parts two and three for release this week. They Voltron into 20 pages. I'm not I'm not seeing the full thing. Did it did somebody else tweet it? No, it's not dropped. It's just a new tweet. So if you're listening to the audio version of this, we're getting a little slight bit of a debate from Luke Smith who just said, "Part 1 focuses on looking back at the annual pass, largely from Drifter onward. We're targeting parts 2 and 3 release this week. The Voltron, it'll Voltron into 20 pages." So he's just describing it. He's just wetting our appetite. So more than likely it's probably going to hit at 1 like we planned. So we're going to keep on pressing on with Q&A. It was a little bit of a bait. So uh but, but what I said in the Solstice thing was, you know, if you're going to have me go into Gambit, have me do 10 games of Gambit, have me banking moats, have me, you know, b- killing blockers, have me doing things in the spirit of Gambit so I'm not just doing 10 Gambit games. Does that make sense? Now, I know last night on the Rageous Roundtable, Paul Tassie was like, well, if you looked at it and you kind of started deducing, you know, when and how you could combine things, you could basically combine some of it. And I was like, true, but it just makes more sense to have it be per armor piece you feel pretty good. You're like, now I'm done with this. Now I'm done with that. Then you're not wearing the full armor set. You're able to still have a little bit of a volition over your, uh, over like what you get to wear, uh, as a, as a player. Warhol with the next question. Do you think we will see a new enemy race in Shadowkeep? There is a lot of hints and rumors that we're going to see beginning whispers of the veil, right? <clears throat> That's all I think we're going to get. Maybe a whisper, maybe a boss or a mini boss, maybe a mission, but I don't think they're introducing the veil with Shadowkeep in a way like they did with the Scorn. I don't think we're going to be fighting the veil in Shadowkeep. I think they're going to be maybe hinting at it, and that's pointing again, like the triangle ships, they're breadcrumbing it. Like they're just little breadcrumbs here and there, all kind of pointing toward, you know, the future. And uh, Ent Safter, or Ent Safter, Ent Safter says, do we know if, uh, do we know if we'll be able to pull multiple blank Solstice 2.0 sets out of collections if we unlock them? I have no idea. Um, SNTR Presents only goes back to February 27th on the podcast app on iOS. Any chance of releasing these there more often? Decido, that is something weird with Apple. Unsubscribe and search for it again fresh. Because right now, if I search SNTR Presents in podcasts, it will show the most recent episode. So when I search for SNTR Presents in Apple Podcasts and I click on it, it literally shows me an episode from February 27th. Wait, why is it not hitting S... That doesn't make any sense. It's doing the same thing for me. That's not true. That is not true. They should all be showing there. They, I. That's six months ago? Am I... Un, let me unsubscribe. Alright, I'm unsubscribing. Alright. And I'm going to search fresh again. Why does it say season one? If I click on the actual SNTR presents, that's not right. That's probably killing my listens. I don't understand why it wouldn't be shoving them over there. Um, 
That doesn't make any sense. Because when I go to Anchor, if you look up SNTR Presents on Spotify, those of you that are listening to this right now, audio format, this is probably good information for you. Um, Let me... Respond to me, please. SNTR Presents... Yeah, Spotify has an episode that updated on Sunday. I don't understand. Spotify is totally updated, and it's heck annoying to scroll all the way down. I don't know why that Spotify is totally fine and iTunes is screwed up. Um, Either an episode you were formerly watching and didn't finish or your most recent. That doesn't make any sense, though. Why, when you look up the podcast on iTunes podcast, is it it's showing 87 episodes? I don't even think that's right. My most recent episode shows how to fix reckoning. It looks like it's an iTunes problem. Because how to fix reckoning is like on my is like on my on my iPhone, and it won't let me delete it. Something's wrong with iTunes. That's not on me. That's on them. They jacked something up. <clears throat> uh, Frank O'Toon. When is Bungie going to stop recycling content? Example, Shadowkeep. I mean, this question's just honestly kind of dumb. I mean, I, it's not recycled content. I, it, number one, content would be them saying, here's all of the strikes from Dark Below. Here's the raid from Dark Below, and they've just recycled it. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's, we don't even have the content yet, so you're asserting something that isn't even seen or proven yet, but you're just claiming it. Yeah, just a, a negative Nancy dum dum. Like, I don't really enjoy interacting with people like you. Don't play it. Don't buy it. Go the frick somewhere else and play another game. Uh, eight months from uh, Atrum Veer. Thank you very much. Uh, Chord page three. Can you show your hunter build? That's not what Q&A is for. Um, Southern slang. Do you think that Destiny would be a lot better if when Shadowkeep comes out, all the guns and gear are better than current stuff? This is kind of exactly how it should work all the time. Anytime they're launching new content, you should be seeing a reason, a soft incentive, a soft motivation, a soft prodding to chase and equip the new stuff. Um, so iTunes on Mac show's latest podcast is August 11th. That's what I'm saying. Like, there something's wrong with SNTR Presents on the actual mobile device. And I don't know. We had this happen before, and you had to, like, unsubscribe from it and then resubscribe, and then it, like, fixed it. All of a sudden, all the episodes started appearing, which is really freaking frustrating because it's like, that's really hurting engagement numbers for me because, actually, most of my episodes are listened to are listened to on yeah i'm getting them all now july 21st july 19th july 15th i'm getting them all now i have like 75 episodes on my phone that i'm deleting off of my phone on listen now i don't know that's i don't know if you scroll down far enough it'll say unknown reasons and that's what the latest ones are I don't understand why it's doing this. It's weird. They're like on my phone, but I can't see the latest ones or something. It's really, really jacked up. Oh, the other seasons? 
unknown seasons. I probably need to go back in into Anchor and make sure and go back into all those episodes and basically say, like, it's a seasonal thing. Probably, it's probably allocated those to old seasons because those were imported over. That was when I switched to Anchor, so that's all season one. That's why I need to go back onto all those past episodes, edit them, and remove that. I bet you that's what it is. Um. But yes, yeah, sorry, this is getting really distracted because we're doing some housekeeping. I shouldn't be acknowledging it. I should just be moving on. The I always think whenever they launch new content, there should be a soft product to move forward. You should feel like you're going to move forward. You're going to equip new stuff. You're going to chase new stuff. That's how it should always be. Um... Veracity. I missed your opinion on the support of creator code. What do you think of it? I think it's totally fine. Um, we'll have one for Borderlands 3. I'll have one for you guys to use. I think it's totally fine. I don't have an issue with it. It's just a way for you to be like, hey, I like this person. I'll use their code when I buy V-Bucks or Borderlands 3 or whatever the frick. Um, so. Jackarama. Do you think Bungie needs to increase loot rewards throughout the entire game, i.e. planetary material, gear drops, weapon parts and if yes by how much increase loot rewards throughout the entire game. oh yeah I mean I, I I have an entire game I probably should just do a video called Destiny 2 is too stingy where I basically just talk about how Menagerie indicted the rest of the game right Menagerie indicted the rest of the game in showing that it's just it's too it is too stingy Destiny 2 is too stingy it should be far more rewarding with you know whether you're playing a strike or a raid or you're playing any of the content. If you're playing Destiny, Menagerie should have been sort of par for the course. Yeah, this is great. This is how we get the best roles that we want, and it actually takes a while. Even though, you know, you're like, well, there's nothing else in Destiny that was that intentional or that rewarding. Sure, but in hindsight, the more I've looked at it, the more I've changed my opinion. I originally was like, oh, this is too rewarding. It's going to make it impossible for them to make other content rewarding enough. You know, Menagerie is an outlier. They need to rein it in a little bit. I actually think that's completely false. I think they should basically make everything as rewarding as pre-nerf Menagerie because that's what keeps people playing. If strikes, nightfalls, and raids, public events were showering you with loot, but everything has its own sort of pocket and loot pool that you're grinding for to get the best rolls. I think that works because whenever you're playing through menagerie, none of us felt like this is too rewarding. I'm going to give up really, really fast. It was like, dude, once I get a God roll this, I'm going to go for a God roll that that was generally what everybody was saying. I think you would take the same attitude in all the other pockets, whether it's they do, you know, something like that for reckoning. So you're getting tons of the guns from there or Gambit or the Forges or Strikes or Nightfalls. That's just how it should be. Um, Because a a really good way of encapsulating it, Josh with the Spoon is saying, Destiny's loot is just too variable for drop chances on guns to be as low as they are and the loot pools to be as bloated as they are. The best conclusion is, that's the best conclusion I've come up with. Exactly, like, turning up the loot generosity would be massively helpful I think in chasing the loot that you want and getting the role that you would like so it's just it's 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 the exact same problem with Anthem it's like well, Anthem's got bigger problems than that so we don't really need to revisit all of Anthem's problems but in general there's a lot of games who have proven Diablo 3 has shown this I think Division 2 showed this Division 2 may have you know issues 
going on with other things. But initially, everyone's impression of Division 2 was very positive. Why? Generosity in the loot drops. Empowering you to chase what you want. Uh, perf- perfection. That's nice. That's cool spelling. Perfection. I like that. Yo, dude, do you know any tips on big multipliers in Nightfall Strikes? Um, generally speaking, a Nightfall is really, really good if you really, really jack up the power differential. Nightfalls are 540. So you can add like, if you're 750, you can add like a 200 power level differential and you're still above the power level of the Nightfall. That's a big bump in your multiplier. Then you can put on Match Game, Extinguish. That's not bad. I don't like Extinguish and I don't like Match Game. So usually if I can usually lean mostly on the multiplier from the light, the power level differential, I prefer to get most of mine from that. So... Uh, Johnny the Cat King says do you think in-game LFG will ever come to Destiny so people don't have to use outside apps I don't know if it will but I feel like it definitely could I think you could completely remove guided games and do an in-game LFG in its place and I think it would probably get better and more healthy usage than guided games uh, ever has the Pat Puck says do you think that modifiers plus a delta could be the way to make min-maxing important for ins- uh, inspiration content? I think you mean aspirational content. If a PvE activity with a delta had Brawler, Solar Singe, people would lean towards solo melee builds like the Hunter Genji build. Max out strength, go for perks such as momentum transfer ETC. Modifiers such as Extinguish and Blackout uh, with a delta force people to play Heidi instead of making powerful and aggressive builds. Um, this is one of those questions that's not really formulated like as a question, but I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it go because what you're saying is actually is actually right. I think a lot of the times, what they do with Delta and certain modifiers is you have to play really like Heidi, and I think that's really, really frustrating and unfun. We're God killers. We can throw magic from our hands, and if I'm hiding behind a box because I'm gonna get two tapped by a trash ad. I think that's terrible content. You will never convince me otherwise. It's just, it, it's bad content. It's not creative. It's, it, it results in really unfun. And they've known this for a really long time. Slowly chiseling away at Ballas to Arc, you know, health pool in D1 was sucked. And... I think they knew even back then that's not ideal content. So I don't know why they continue to dial in modifiers and deltas that make players hide. It's just, this isn't a cover-based game. It's an action MMO. Empower me to engage in the action MMO aspects. This is why Well of Radiance has become such a, an absurd and almost required problem uh, in, in, in the thing. So, I would, in the game, I would say... If they're going to start giving us more stats and more things to pursue, like we're actually going to be min-maxing our builds, I've said for a long time, that needs a context. Because right now people are like, oh, we need more stats on our armor. And I'm always like, yeah, for what though? What are we doing where you're like, I need more stats on my armor. I need to be a little bit stronger. Nothing's really challenging us. The only thing in the game right now where people really feel that sort of like draw to min-max and really make sure they're at their absolute best is heroic menagerie. And especially when you're going for flawless. Outside of that, there's almost nothing in the game that really puts on that 
that hat and says, yeah, man, you really want a min-max. Like, that's like, just, I, I just don't think that's really in the, in the game right now. So... Uh, H. Mongolite says, I love the cycle in EAZ until people started to leave. What changes can Bungie make to keep players from leaving when the final boss spawns? Well, they're adding something today where you'll get five points for the mini boss, so that will certainly help. The people that are coming in and leaving are farming mini bosses. They're going to stay, hopefully, for the extra five. The other thing I said in my talk is if they're dropping loot. People would stay for that. I would think like, hey man, that gun's pretty cool. You know, it can have a pretty good drop. You know, the boss might drop it. So between the points being, you know, for the actual grind, because realistically speaking, the only people going in and leaving are farming the mini bosses. If they're farming the mini bosses, you would hope they'd be like, oh, let's stick around and kill the boss. It's an extra five points, you know, five points is, is nice out of 50, you know, that ain't too bad. If you bag five or seven bosses and then you get another five points from the last boss, you're almost doubling what you got from the event itself. Wishwash. Where do you land on spending resources at Bungie to refresh content like EP, Infinite Forest, Mercury Forge, Ava Forges, and other things that have been passed by due to updates and new loot versus spending those resources at the company on new things? I have, I, I have an entire talk on this, okay? If you look at the map right now, if you look at the director and you look at the number of activities, okay, I want you to look at everything you just listed, then look at all of the adventures, look at the barren fights, you've got lost sectors, you've got you've got the potential for them to add maybe something like Escalation Protocol on other planets, but outside of that, I feel like you're going to start to run out of room. It's like, there's only so much they can do within the framework of the game that they've built, so to me... I think the greater crime, all right, this is a point that 30 and so gaming's made on the podcast, the Rageous Roundtable, many, many times. He says they always do do this. They give you like a slice. Here's a chapter. Here's a thing that you're going to do. You know, they gave us the Taken King, and then 90% of the game didn't matter. Only Taken King mattered, right? And to me, the greater crime is to always do that. It's like in a movie where they're running across a bridge, and the bridge is falling right behind them on their heels they're just running it's like boom 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 that's kind of what destiny starts to feel like as we move forward everything behind us just falls down into the water and and no one gives a frick about it to me that's the greater crime isn't it better for them to say we've got all these great you know containers and loot grinds let's repurpose them hey guys it's been a year and a half it's been Imagine, it's been two years since Curse of Osiris. We're repurposing Brother Vance and the Forge grind with random rolls. There's going to be some really, really dope pieces of gear you can get from that grind now. Instead of just leaving it there. Well, we have nothing. We'll give you a small slice and a new activity with a new loot pool, but that's it. Like, if every time they did an annual pass, what if they did something like this, Okay. Here's a new activity and a new loot pool. Here's an old activity with a refresh pool. Here, so now you got two things kind of going and working, coinciding with each other. Instead of being like, here's the new activity, new loot pool, and that's basically it. That's all there is. When you look at the grand scheme of Destiny 2, all, all the containers, the capacity, all the things that are in the game, 
I don't understand looking at NPCs, loot pools, and activities and being like, no, I don't ever want to do that ever again. Leave it in the dustbin, never repurpose it. I'm tired of quote-unquote recycled content. Like, what's worse? Some new content with some recycled content or some new content and basically nothing else. And you're like, well, it's kind of a poultry offering. Forges weren't that amazing. They were okay in Black Armory. Reckoning has the potential to be good, but it was bad. And then the Menagerie. You know, it's just like, I don't know. To me, I think it's a both and. I'm not saying repurpose content instead of giving us new. I'm saying do both. Do both. If every annual pass piece can be bolstered and made a little bit thicker and a little bit more substantive by repurposing something that's now two years old. So when we're, we get two years away from Escalation Protocol, why not repurpose Escalation Protocol with a new loot pool and new bosses? Why the frick not? Everything else is already in place. The area is built. The, the mechanic of the, the Escalation Protocol is built. Build a boss with a mechanic and you're done. And then you add a loot pool. That's it. Now... That might be too complicated, but when I look at it, I'm like, man, oh man, why not? It's been two years, you know? It's been two years. CP4 Gators. Bungie continues to limit events to an achievement or an award. When that achievement is met or the award is gained or the chests are nerfed, people no longer engage. How can loot be made meaningful, expanded, so that people stay in the content? Well, you have to understand, eventually people will move on, okay? Let's imagine that Escalation Protocol had random roles back when it launched. Let's just say it had random roles. Eventually, you're going to get the role you want on the shotgun, the sniper, the SMG. Eventually, you're going to get a full armor set that you like, and you're going to move on. The key with random roles is, though, is that the longevity is organic and in relation to player decision. It's not arbitrary or dictated by a time gate. We'll do this and then wait and come back and do this and then wait and come back like they did with the freaking armor at Escalation Protocol. That's just, just, that's you elongating engagement. That's not the player deciding, I don't have the role I want yet, I'm going to keep going. Okay? So, you have to understand though, eventually you would hit a point where you're like, I'm kind of done. I got everything I want from that activity and then you kind of move on to the next thing. I don't think you can expect an activity to stay relevant for forever, but if you do what I just outlined, random rolls on the armor, random rolls on the gun, that's why I said in the talk, that's a persisting value point. That just really, really persists. There's a natural and organic longevity and sort of extension of engagement that would happen with that that content if they did something like that. 100% instead of being told no if you want gauntlets you got to come back next week do you see I should be able to just run EP and plug you know how you do with the ch- you know the, the, the chalice I should be able to go up to the thing and just and just plug a thing into it that I've earned and it spits out the shotgun or it spits out the gauntlets over and over and over again until I get what I want and then once you have the gauntlets you want, you move to a helmet or a chest beats or boots or whatever. 
Blader Magician. Should the majority of the Solstice gear grind be contained to the EAZ? I kind of already got this question. I don't think so. Maybe more of it could have been. I think making each piece have its own theme would have been better. Oh, I'm in strikes. I gotta run 10 strikes. And while I'm in strikes, I gotta create these orbs and get these types of kills. And when I'm done with that, I'm done with the boots. Like, that's what the boots asks you to do. You know, it's do everything in strikes for boots. Like, I think that would have been a better, a better way of doing it. Bigfoot's, I'm not saying that, Bigfoot says, if we are new to Destiny 2 and Shadowkeep, will we have access to all the new supers, or will we have to grind to unlock them? I'm not sure how the supers work yet, they haven't said. The Pie Piper, not trying to be rude or a D-bag, but can you speak to why you vocally defend the big guy? Uh, last couple of days you've gone to bat for Gearbox and Hello Games when most gamers are out for blood. First of all, I wouldn't consider Hello Games to be the quote-unquote big guy. I go to bat for Sean Murray and Hello Games because I believe people represent everything that happened with No Man's Sky in a very hyperbolic, exaggerated, and false way. I believe that people promote a false narrative and mistruths or half-truths about what happened with No Man's Sky. I believe an objective look at the facts and the timeline and the interviews and everything else, I believe people get it wrong, okay? Now, when I went to bat for the 2k investigation into submoto that was a couple of days ago when all the copyright strikes had fallen off he only had one and it sounded like they had kind of backed off and they were mainly just trying to protect their intellectual property again when i was defending their right i wasn't defending their actions i was just saying they're in their right to investigate and try to find out how to you know, how to protect their intellectual property, right? That's a right they have. And the reason I defend that right is because I'm a content creator. And as a content creator and an entertainer, protecting intellectual property is very important. If you set a bad precedent, like I believe review channels have set a really bad precedent for blurring the line of derivative content that basically breaks copyright law, um, I, I, I believe that that is a... That is a a systemic and parasitic you know disease on YouTube reaction channels um because they're getting around and getting through gray loophole areas of copyright protection law so I I get passionate about that for that reason now again now again in the situation with Submato or Matto however you say it we don't know the whole scenario we don't I believe that there is something else going on. I believe there's far more to the story than we're hearing. I do not believe a company is going to bully somebody with 76 copyright strikes and delete his channel. I don't believe they got Discord to delete his server just because. I believe there was evidence that led to that, okay? I don't think Discord was like, yeah, sure, we'll delete his server, no problem. I don't think Discord would do that. I think Discord would have deleted his server upon the viewing of evidence, upon the review of activity in the server. I believe that. Now, if Discord just did whatever they were told and deleted the server, that's a problem. I think that's unlikely. If YouTube is going to take the channel down and delete it, if the copyright strikes are legitimate, then... I mean, I I don't know what to say. I'm not necessarily defending the big guy. I'm just trying to be objective. If you were being leaked, what amounts to stolen intellectual property and putting that on your YouTube channel, you are risking your livelihood and career, okay? I've given this example. 
there was footage of Rainbow Six Siege that leaked. It was not meant to be seen by the public. It was from a closed alpha. Somebody broke NDA, okay? That's a breach of contract. People that got their hands on the footage. I threw it on my YouTube channel thinking that if I did commentary over it, it would be derivative enough. That wasn't true. They protected their intellectual property. I got a copyright strike on my channel and that video came down. Imagine if instead of me putting up one Rainbow Six Siege video, I had somebody who broke NDA who sent me 10 videos and I put up a bunch of peop- a bunch of videos that were basically what amounts to theft of intellectual property. More than likely, all 10 of those videos would have gotten copyright strikes and my channel would have probably been done for because I would have been essentially stealing other somebody else's property and trying to profit from it okay so in the scenario with him if that's what was happening okay again i don't know i don't know the entirety of the situation i'm speaking in hypotheticals here if a company sees somebody putting up videos that are jam-packed full of stolen intellectual property and that person knows what they're doing if they're getting that information from an internal leak They know they're putting up property they don't own, they don't have a right to, and have no business putting on YouTube. If you do that, and your channel gets taken down, you can't cry David and Goliath, I'm being bullied. Okay? Now, if there's another narrative here where he's innocent and hasn't done anything wrong, hopefully the facts come out, his channel can be spared, and he can be, he can recover. Okay? Kotaku leaks things all the time. Leaking information is not the same thing as leaking intellectual property. There's a giant difference between freedom of the press to share the freedom of information. That's not the same as intellectual property. Screenshots, footage, that is that is intellectual property. That's completely different. It's not in the same category. We had a big debate about this the other day. So, whether it's Hello Games or in this case, Gearbox, I'm not defending the big guy. I'm trying to remain objective because as you say, gamers are out for blood. Cancel culture and and manufactured controversy and stirring up the mob is so rampant and so easily achieved. I don't buy in with the mob as quickly. I'm always like, hold the frick on a second here. Wait a minute, everybody. Slow down a second you can't you, you can't do that he was only giving info not videos and not pictures again I don't know the entirety of the situation this is this is ultimately my conclusion okay this is ultimately my conclusion I find it incredibly unlikely that a company of that size would spend money and do a 10-month investigation and shut down a channel with copyright strikes, get a Discord server shut down. I very, very much don't believe that they would do that unless there were actual grounds to do it. I find it unlikely. That doesn't mean it's not happening. That doesn't mean that he's lying. I just find it unlikely. I'm going to wait for all the facts to come out before I really draw a conclusion here. Because I don't believe anybody really knows what the frick is going on. Oh, it was just information. Again, I don't know how far copyright goes. If I start describing to you, okay, information about a game, whether it's skill trees, action skills, or any of that, and that was given to me from somebody internally, that's intellectual property to an extent. That would be like me reading chapters from a book not yet released just because it's not like a visible video picture that still could be considered intellectual property 
If I started reading to you cutscenes and narrations and audio files from some game's campaign, even though I'm not showing it to you, that could be considered stolen intellectual property. Somebody wrote that script, somebody came up with that story arc, and that is going to be a part of that game's content, and I am divulging that without permission. Why do you think people sign NDAs when they play games early, or even if they go and have a discussion? Right? I've had discussions with my sponsors before. The the wireless G502 mouse. Right? I signed an NDA. Why? Because just the information about the mouse is I am not allowed to divulge that without permission. And if I do, it's a break it's a breach of NDA. Oh, I didn't sign an NDA, but somebody that worked at Logitech told me about it. Uh Okay, that's still you divulging information. You don't have a right to divulge. It's their property, and you basically got it. It's stolen at that point. Even if you don't sign an NDA, like, are you freaking serious? So if I don't sign an NDA, and someone internal leaks the information to me, and I put it out, like, come on. Like, that's just, to me, that's clear as day. That's why they have you sign the NDA. We're going to give you this information, and you're legally bound to not divulge this until we say you're allowed, okay? Oh, but I didn't sign it, so if somebody leaks the information to me, I'm free and clear. No. No. Bumble17. I've seen on the Rage's Roundtable talk about loot investment. Could this be a problem with regular content seasonal drops? If I'm two-thirds into the investment... Uh, in a piece of gear, why am I going to start afresh with a new piece that might be uh, marginally better? I don't understand what you're saying. Raiders Roundtable talk about loot investment. Could this be a problem with regular content seasonal drops? If I'm two-thirds... Oh, so if you're like two-thirds invested in a piece of gauntlets, why am I going to start fresh with a new piece that might be marginally better? I don't know, dude. We don't know exactly how it's going to work, right? We don't exactly know how it's going to work. So... Julian Assange shouldn't report on info he got from Seth Rich, Chelsea Manning. It's an interesting uh, debate. When you are releasing information that is directly tied to intellectual property that will be sold for profit, you are in a different scenario. You are in a different scenario. The minute I receive information about a piece of intellectual property that will be sold for profit, and I release that information without permission... I was given that information as essentially it's been stolen. Whether I'm reading chapters from the next Stephen King book or I'm telling you about stuff in a video game and that's not supposed to be out into the public eye yet, that's not the same. Jason Schreier does this? No. Jason Schreier has inside context that give him information about like what went into the development of Anthem. What went, what happened at Destiny when they reset and they decided they didn't like the supercut from Joseph Stoughton. Jason Schreier does not say, here's an article with all of the details, all of the bullet points for Shadowkeep. If that gets leaked to him and he puts that in an article, he's leaking intellectual property. That's not the same as leaking information. They're, they're separate. They're in separate categories, man. It's it like you 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 don't you just can't just do that. It's not Oh yeah, I got uh somebody leaked a bunch of chapters of Stephen King's new book here. I'm just gonna put it in an article. 
The, fo- the whole scenario involves supposed evidence that Submato or whatever his name is was selling access to the information. If he had just leaked what he found, they probably wouldn't have gone after him. But they claim to have evidence that he sold access to the info. As to your NDA argument, your scenario is flawed. If someone leaks info to you, you are in fact free and clear. Uh, the only party you'd be held accountable is the original leaker. That is completely and utterly false and incorrect, Lone Road. No. Then why could they copyright strike my Rainbow Six Siege video? It was in the public's eye. People had already seen it, and I threw it up on my channel. But because it was their intellectual property, they had a right to protect it and strike the video, and it came down. Just because you received the stolen intellectual property doesn't mean you're innocent. Like, yeah, I'm totally innocent. That guy's the guilty party. He just sent over the information. I'm chunking it out in the video. That's not true. That is not true. You're not free and clear to just make videos containing intellectual property that's not yours just because you're not the leaker. That's false. Now, once it's viewed by the general public, you might have an argument that you would say, it became public information, it was publicly known, it was on Reddit, it was in an article, and I just did a video about it. That would be considered fair use at that point because it had been generally viewed by the public and it's just information. The video that I put up was different because it was literally video footage of the game. So, Void Pill. Why do you think Bungie keeps pushing Gambit for quest steps? Things like the Solstice Armor and Exotics, as far as I know, it's the least engaged with major mode in the game. It is the least engaged with major mode, but more than likely they're doing it because they made it free and they're trying to fill the funnel at least a little bit, you know. Let me skip this song because they're singing. Uh, Mongolite. Lono, what is one thing you hope to see in Luke Smith's article? Also, will there be Q&A after the 8 pages article? Yeah, we'll probably do some Q&A afterwards. We might actually shove stream stop into another day today. We might actually not have a stream stop today. Um, so. Information isn't a stolen good. Again, you are creating a standard that is just completely and utterly false and not true. That's false. The information can in fact be a stolen good. Lyrics to a song. Chapters in a book. Descriptions of... Uh, narratives and story elements in a video game. That information can be a stolen good. That is intellectual property. You really need to do way more research on intellectual property before making statements like that. So. Uh, train. Lono, love Q&A. Why is it the EAZ is the best way for enhanced armor farming with packages? I ran raids each week and cannot even get an armor piece to drop. I mean, there needs to be an intentional system of farming within the raids in general. I mean, you know, there, there, are 100, there 100% needs to be a way for you to farm the raid each week with intentionality towards the actual armor pieces to get the piece that you want. Even if you're not farming for, even if you're not farming for enhanced perks, right? Even even if, even if you're farming, not even farming for enhanced perks, you just want a certain role. There's just no intentionality in raid gear, so. Uh, Tudum's Hall. If you could change one thing about D2, what would it be and why? NPCs should have grind purpose every season. That'd be the one thing I would change. There are, there are six, there are, what is it? Six total planets? Yeah, six total planets, eight total locations. If you include Tangled Shore and Dreaming City, there's eight total locations. That's eight NPCs. Plus Drifter, Ada, Shax, the Gunsmith. If they all had seasonal grind purpose, that would be awesome. That would be fantastic for the game. That would be such a large value injection. 
the Conchitis. You talked about micro grinds and grouped objectives in your original Solstice talk. After finishing my first set and going for my second, the green armor seems a bit like you described. Do you think there was something lost in translation between the green and the blue sets? In addition, if we lower the requirements on blue, should they also lower on green? Well, they only lowered one thing on blue, which was the the mini bosses. So, I mean, was something lost in translation? I don't know. I mean, I would say that my feedback is not to speculate like what happened. Well, I think some developer named Harry forgot to like send an email. Like, I don't know. What I'm saying is in the future, that's, I think, a better theme and a better way to, to package it. Uh, Zspeed03 I missed the talk overall do you think this landed in a good place I've seen a lot of people get all sets the first week I got them in two weeks and felt burnout with the grind also plenty of people are not happy with the sparrow as a reward well overall I think it was okay but it could have been better and ultimately what I argued for is whether it's the EAZ haunted forest or the verdant forest whenever you do an event like this having a loot grind within the actual content I think is really really good so Am I me or am I not? Is there something Bungie could do to improve the lore stuff, in your opinion? I We've always said that it'd be really, really cool if when you go to, like, the EDZ, what if there was, like, a little a little thing next to Devrim, and it was, like, a little computer, and you could call it, like, the, you know, the research, the research and, uh, research and reporting, you know, I don't know, network. The, the RRN, you know, the Research and Reporting Network. And when you do your little scans on the planets and find different things and you come back and you turn that in, it's like um, it's like an achievement checkbox. If you can fill that for that planet, you get like a little thing. The other thing that could happen is, like, let's say you're on Mars and you scan something about the Cabal. And then you go back... You know, every you know, every once in a while you take a little trip to that little thing next to Anna Bray and you check off those boxes of things you scanned on the planet. Well when you do that, what you could get is a little audio thing where they show some concept art or just some images. They've got great images and concept art already. So I'm not asking them to create something that doesn't exist. Show a little quick slideshow. Here's a couple pictures of the Cabal. And then have someone reading or your ghost saying something like, the Cabal came here many, you know, X number of years ago and early settlements showed that they found ways to harvest gas from the rocks and create high, you know, high ballistic, you know, weaponry. And it's how they power their ships. And you're like, oh, neat. That's pretty cool. And that would be a way for them to put, because the lore and the cards, like, I'm not doing it any justice. I'm just literally firing from the hip and making crap up. But you see what I'm saying? Like, if every planet kind of had that, that'd be a pretty good way for people to feel like, oh, hey, you know, there's a reason for me to scan stuff. And then there's, you know, there's decent information, little audio files on the planets. Uh, Thrally. Do you think time to clear is varying too much within a playlist? Applies to the EAZ bosses, but it's more noticeable in Strikes. Lake of Shadows takes way less time than Hollowed Lair. Some people leave when it's one of the longer ones. If yes, how could you fix it? Um, see, this is where the bounty system could come in handy with Zavala. Like, let's say, so Zavala has like a bounty that you're working on that week. And we've always, and this is something I've been saying. Instead of being like, oh, I want this strike for this item, it would be like, no, I'm going to stay in the strike playlist because when I'm in the strike playlist, I'm completing this bounty and it's spitting out a weapon. Well, there could be equal value shared between Lake of Shadows or like Hollowed Lair. So Lake of Shadows is really, really quick, right? So you blitz it, you run it, you get it done really, really fast. Awesome. 
and then if you're running one of the slower ones maybe it fills more of the bounty or something so you gotta run maybe you gotta run two fast strikes to fill the bounty or when you run one slow strike like bungie could basically kind of assign points to the strikes and say some of these are generally longer than others and the bounty is going to complete at the same interval whether you do two you know lake of shadows or one hollowed layer it doesn't matter the bounty is being filled equally and i think that would be better so then no one would feel the need to like oh and make it to where you can't afk it right you can't just afk it but you have that reason to not back out when you see like a slow one we're going to read through the patch notes in just a minute. Let me see how many questions we have left. We're at 32. Let me see if we can fly through 10 questions really, really quickly in the next 10 minutes. You mentioned that you don't think we're, you're, we're getting more than hints of the veil in Shadowkeep. Do you think that since Bungie has made clear commitment to working on D2 for the foreseeable future, we will get new enemies at all in D2 or they will save it for... I think the, I think the veil is safe for D3. I think the veil is safe for D3. No more new enemies in D2, right? Uh, Z Speed. Why do you think there is such a big stigma about recycled content? Do people not realize where what we have done with the hive? Their story isn't done, so would you stop having them as an enemy until their story is complete? I don't consider that odd at all, as long as we get a new story. Again, this really isn't a question. This is just sort of you voicing your opinion. I tend to agree with you. I think recycled content or reused content is better than just letting content die. Slayer X. Do you think that having each season bringing different weapons to the menagerie recipes pool would be a good way to keep an in- involvement uh, through the game's life cycle instead of having people go uninterested as time goes on? I don't know if that's the way to repurpose old content because menagerie just happened, but I definitely think things like the forge in Curse of Osiris, once it's two years old, repurpose it, put new stuff in there. Escalation Protocol, once it hits two years old or something like that. At least let a, a piece of content like the forges or something hit one gear to six months old before you start repurposing it. I don't know if you want to do this. Every piece of the game should get repurposed every time there's a new piece. I think that's a bit much. Every six months, maybe. A couple pieces get repurposed, but not all. Um, you don't even need a link to the patch notes. You can post it all in a message in chat. Oh, is it that small? Uh, mini Hot Pocket. What needs to be done to old raids and raid weapons and armor so that there's more worth grinding back in D1? Also, uh, should raid weapons have exclusive perks like pinnacle weapons? Raid raid loot in general needs a complete overhaul. A, a whole new system of investment and care and why am I grinding it? Why am I chasing for it? Needs to come to raids. I don't want to get into the entire system now, but specific perks to armor for that raid, unique perks and awesomeness to the weapons, yes, no question. As far as should they go back and do stuff to the old raids, I'm not going to draw a line in the sand, but I think that'd be a great place to start for them to experiment with making the raid loot significantly better than ever than than it was before. Wardens says, "Do you think if they added back challenge mode raids or a choice to have contest modifier be permanent but have different loot increase rewards, would that help with with the loot issue?" You got to do what I just said though. You got to make the raid loot significantly better if you're going to bring contest modifier or challenges, and you also probably got to let us run raids more than 3 times a week. Evil the Waffler. You said scouts don't have a leg in Destiny right now, but the EAZ, in my opinion, helps scouts and hand cannons and pulse are not as good. Can you explain why you don't agree? I don't think there's any time I'm in the EAZ where I feel the need for a scout. It's very easy to close the space. A lot of times I'm right on top of the enemies, inside buildings especially. I don't ever think I need scouts. There's maybe a couple of times where there's dudes on rooftops. Generally speaking, that's... I don't think... 
I don't know. I don't think that's enough. I think there's, there's way more room for scouts to be improved. I think the best way to help scouts is to do something with them when they hip fire. They need some sort of like rate of fire change. Uh, trip hazard. I totally agree with you in regards to reusing old content like EP for people that are chasing weapons and gear, war mine, exotics, and those should be put into loophole. Not a question. It's called Q and A. Not not submit your opinion. Uh, defo side. Even though you agree with me, that's great, but that wasn't a question. Do you think it would have been a good idea to put a gun in the EAZ? Yep, I said that in the video. Put a gun or guns in there to grind for, or have them drop from the bosses. Slim Jim, how would you feel about a raid boss without a crit spot? You mean like you mean like Oryx? I mean basically something that you kill with mechanics or just kill with raw damage. I would really need to know what you mean by this because I think Oryx you kill with mechanics. I think there's a time and a place for a fight like Oryx, but I don't think every single raid fight should be like that. Uh, it's Barza Taco. Do you think it would be better that if they move the NPCs from the planets to the tower in their respective environments so we wouldn't have to bounce back and forth post game? Uh, if you're interacting with the NPC in relation to stuff that you're doing on the planet I don't see a reason to do what you're saying I don't know why I would be going to the Mars NPC and then leaving Mars my thought would be if I'm doing a bounty or chasing a piece of loot on the EDZ or Nessus I'm interacting with that NPC throughout the day to do that I'm not going back to the tower Ashen Hollow. I love the EAZ and the Infinite Forest stuff. It really makes up for the content. Should Bungie leave it year round? I either leave it year round or at least when it's here, again, have a, you know, have a thing. So apparently Luke's thing is live. That's good. That's roughly an hour for QA. If you submitted a question, I didn't get to it. I'm sorry. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, come in and catch these live. We're going to read the, the notes right now. So if you're here live, don't go anywhere. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, twitch.tv slash standard rage. As with always, please like, share, and subscribe.